Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Liberty. Now I get picked up at a limo on Park Avenue, you know, roll over, crack a bottle of champagne, start podcasting, <laughs> living the dream, living the dream. Mr. Brancatelli, your ride. Mr. Brancatelli, your microphone, sir. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Rawr. Nice, calm little roar to ease you into your week today here on another edition of the flagship program here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is the 351st episode of this program, and that means you can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 351. Of course, this being the flagship show, that implies that there are some other shows here on our podcast feed, and there certainly are beginning with your weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty every single Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams, while my friend John Odermatt wraps things up every Friday with his look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. My fellow compatriots in Liberty here at Lions of Liberty are doing amazing work, and I hope you enjoy this program as well, because I've got a great guest for you today, a man making his return to this program, and really a uh, return to uh, reality, so to speak, or maybe a return to the Matrix, depending on your look at it, but I'll be speaking with him in just a minute, but first, I want to remind you guys about all the content we are putting out on Patreon. I know I hit you with the tag at the top of the show, but it's very important, because right now we're trying to finish up gathering the last of our funds for our very closely approaching trips to both Porkfest in New Hampshire, hosted by our good friend Roger Paxson of the Lava Flow Podcast. Uh, We're going to be going there in just about a little over a week from the time that you're hearing this episode. So excited to not only see Roger, uh, but also my fellow Lions of Liberty. Uh, We're kind of scattered across the country. Of course, Brian lives out here in Los Angeles. Uh, John Odermatt is over in Pittsburgh across the country. Of course, we'll also have JB there from Philly, Rico from Cleveland, Howie from Leesburg, Virginia, and thanks to our great supporters, we're all going to be there together, uh, not only hanging out and meeting other libertarians, such as Roger Paxton, such as Chris Spangle of We Are Libertarians, such as Johnny Rocket Adams of the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. We're going to meet so many great liberty friends there. Uh, Eric July is going to be there. Ben Swan is going to be there. If you haven't gotten your tickets for Porkfest yet or you're on the fence, we've got a little more incentive for you because you can get a discount by using the code LIONS10 at checkout over at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C, not P-O-R-K, like the meat, porkfest.com. And you're really going to want those VIP tickets because we're going to be hanging out in there. Eric July is going to be hanging out in the VIP tent. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be food. There's going to be Ben Swan. All of the speakers that are going to be there are going to be hanging out in that VIP tent. But if you can't do the VIP, at least get yourself a ticket and find your a way to get up there to New Hampshire to hang out with us and hang out with so many other great libertarians up there, uh, with many of whom are members of the Free State Project. So we're very excited to be heading to Porkfest. Very excited to only one week later, less than a week really, be heading over to New Orleans to cover the Libertarian National Convention, which I'm doing with John Odermatt. Again, this is all thanks to the contributions of our amazing supporters who support us over on Patreon, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride. Every single dollar, really $5, gets you access to all of our bonus audio. But even if you want to chip in one or two bucks, that helps too. You won't get access to any of the benefits, but you will be able to know that you're helping some uh, some of your Liberty friends accomplish more and grow this show and expand this conversation. So please do head over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. We're putting out so much extra content now. We're doing video interviews. We just did a pride-only libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor, which is all on video. So you got to see, I would say all six of us, but you know we, get, we still got to keep reading 
Rico a little bit of a secret. So you see five of the six of us on that program. Uh, so much content we put out there. We're really making a lot of effort to make sure that people do get value for their money for helping us grow the show, helping us expand our coverage to events like Porkfest and the Libertarian National Convention. Now that I have hawked and hawked and pleaded for money, we can get on to some more spiritual topics. Why don't we? All right, guys. With me today is a guy who's been on this show a couple of times, most recently having joined us for a, a very enjoyable round of libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor back in episode 314. He is the former co-host of the Part of the Problem podcast and the current host of the Mike Adelic podcast, a great program all about cognitive liberty. And he just got back from a bit of a, a spiritual journey, you might say, having spent three months or so in the Amazon jungle I'm very excited to hear about it, and I'm very excited to speak to Mr. Mike Brancatelli. Mike, are you ready to roar? I'm always roaring, Mark, 24-7. I can't stop roaring. <laughs> you don't even sleep. You just lay there screaming uh, into the middle of the night. <laughs> shut up. Liberty! Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool, cool. Well, I'm sure you've done. Uh, I'm sure you've roared a bit over the, your, your little journey here into the jungle over the past few months amongst uh, many other animal noises, sounds, and, and visions. So I'm excited to talk to you more about that in a bit. But uh, just for some newer listeners out there, I mean, the show is always growing, so we always have new people hopping on board. So why don't you give a, a brief little roundup of what it is you're doing with the Mycadelic Podcast uh, for, I believe it's, believe it's been almost two years now you've been doing that. Yeah, yeah, I started it. Um, yeah, I started around like April 2016. Yeah, anyway, yeah, Mike Adelic is basically trying to combine all of my interests in psychedelics. You know, there's a lot of like interesting psychedelic research that's being done right now, particularly like studies that are helping veterans who are suffering from PTSD and things like that, great organizations like MAPS and stuff. So it's a pretty exciting time to be alive in terms of like this burgeoning new psychedelic renaissance. So I'm like, Really, really super interested in that. Obviously, super interested in libertarian stuff as well. And then just a whole bunch of other things like psychology, philosophy, just anything that kind of, you know, gets me interested. I, I hop on to Mike Adelic and, and a little bit of comedy every now and then, maybe an Alex Jones impression or a Paul Joseph Watson one or, or a Trump <laughs> throw, throw some of that stuff in there. But yeah, it's, it's been good. And, and sometimes I interview people. Sometimes I just do solo shows. And yeah, I've been doing the show from the jungle for the past three months because I've been down there working with uh, ayahuasca and Mike Adelic's available everywhere. You can check it out. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on Google play, YouTube. Yeah. We usually release a new episode uh, once a week. So yeah, check it out. Very cool. And uh, you, you know, it's been almost two years, like you said, doing Mike Adelic. And I always get people asking me uh, you know, about starting a podcast, if they should start a podcast, uh, what kind of hurdles they can expect. Do you have any quick advice you could give to people out there that are kind of like you, that have all these interests that they want and think, wow, maybe I could start my own show? What is something you've learned over the last couple of years of, of doing your own podcast? And obviously, you know, there are a lot of a lot of pitfalls on the way. It's not all the glamour, like people like people are always saying about podcasters. <laughs> always living the glorious life out there, People people are always saying... No, I get picked up at a limo on Park Avenue, you know, roll over, crack a bottle of champagne, start podcasting, <laughs> living the dream, living the dream. Mr. Brancatelli, your ride. Mr. Brancatelli, your microphone, sir. <laughs> yeah, no, podcast, I mean, like, it, you know, I always, I actually go back to what Tom Wood said. So I'm just going to steal what Tom Wood said, because I think it's the best thing to tell anybody. If you have an idea, just do it. Just don't worry about like, you know, the, the intro music or whatever. Just if you have an idea, just find out where your talents are, are suited, whether it be in spoken word, I guess you would say, as in the voice or in the video or in the blog format. If you're interested in the ideas of liberty and, and you're in, or whatever ideas that you're interested in, just start doing it. And eventually, maybe it'll be good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then just uh, listen to what people say, you know, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, it's a, it's just I feel passionately about this stuff. I'm interested in it. And uh, I like talking to people like you. And yeah, you know, it's if you're interested in doing it, just get just get going, just get a good microphone and just get going. That really is the best piece of advice. I mean, even to this day, all the equipment I really use, I have a microphone that costs about 80 bucks and it came with the mic stand I'm using and it plugs into my, my MacBook. That's my equipment, guys, to this, to this day. Obviously, we do a lot of stuff on the back end in terms of editing and production and that sort of thing to make it sound a little bit better, as, as good as we can, but I'm not sitting here in a professional studio. I'm in the back of my small two-bedroom guest house and uh, I believe you're just out, out of your apartment in New York City. So none of us are, are surrounded by thousands and thousands of 
dollars of equipment. We just decided to start doing it. And like, I, I when I listen to the first few episodes of my show, I, I have to turn it off. I can't handle it. The audio is not mm-hmm. great. I barely know what I'm saying, but I had to have those crappy shows. You had to start doing it before you can figure out exactly what it is you're doing, especially as you pick up a fan base, like you said, listening to people, listening to the people that are currently listening to your show and taking advice from them and sort of letting the show evolve as it goes. It's really the only way to do this unless you're some kind of professional that's actually been podcasting for the last 30 years, which nobody has because podcasts haven't been around that long. Yeah. And I guess, you know, just to be sort of like romantic about the ideas of liberty, you know, it's like, you know, this is this is one of the most crucial, I think, messages of of our time that we're living in now. And it's like, if you're listening to this show, if you're listening to Lions of Liberty, if you're listening to, you know, part of the problem or Tom Woods or, or my show or whoever, whatever you're listening to, and you're inspired to go and create your own stuff. It's just like, wow, that like, it's another voice out there that's advocating for these things that are like super important in this time right now. And the more, you know, the more nodes of consciousness that are projecting that message from different perspectives in different areas of the globe or wherever you may be, it's just like, you know, the medium is the message as Marshall McLuhan would say. And, and the message is, is definitely freedom because that is the medium is the internet and the internet represents freedom. So it's like, if you can get it out there, if you can help join the party and, and push that message out, you know, we can we can really have a lot of people sort of waking up to the to these ideas so go and do that in so many ways, I think we're kind of showing the world what liberty is by creating podcasts, by not just podcasts, but videos and everything else that people are doing through the power of the internet, being able to be funded through platforms like Patreon. We're showing what it's like to, to be free, to be able to create your own your own projects and your own visions and spread them out there. Uh, the, the nodes of consciousness, as, you, as I believe you said, that is just something that wasn't technologically possible 30, 40 years ago, not in the way it is now. 30, 40 years ago, if, if you and I want to have a radio show, we'd have to go like not on the door at Clear Channel and be like, hey, can we come talk about liberty? And they'd be like, no, why would we let you do that? So, <laughs> so it's, it's really an amazing thing that, that has like come about due to technology. And it's only going to get better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really is amazing. Like you said, it's like we're literally people are, are coming together to make voluntary decisions to help each other you know, grow and spread what they care about. And it's like, there's no, there's no like mandate. There's no force. There's no like channel. That's like, you know, it's, you're not limited to a certain selection. It's all available. It's all out there. And, you know, so this is definitely the time to do it. And yeah, I mean, the barriers to entry are like nothing. Yeah, imagine if the only podcast we had to listen to we had, we could either listen to NPR podcasts or like uh, Glenn Beck. Those are those are our options. <laughs> Luckily, that is oh, not what the a case. nightmare. Luckily, that's not the what case. a dy- what a dystopian nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real dystopia, folks. Now, Mike, I really had you on here today because you just came back from the journey, your little journey into the jungles of Peru, into the Amazon. First of all, what what just inspired this this specific journey? Obviously, a lot of people are always traveling uh, down to that area for various reasons. Often. And more, more popularly in the last uh, few decades is to you know, take ayahuasca and uh, experience a spiritual journey with that. So what exactly was your goal in spending this amount of time down there? Although I, I don't know if you necessarily spent, meant to spend that amount of time when you first went down. Yeah, I mean, when I first went down, it was interesting. It was about a year ago or so, and maybe a year and a half ago or whatever. You know, I just had my wig rocked, you know? I just had my, my brain lit up. Like, <laughs> I just had the most profound, unexpected experience. I thought I was going to go down there and maybe you know i had heard that like people had helped heal themselves from you know sort of like depressions or traumas or whatever they were experiencing and it's like you know i definitely had some things and i also had this curiosity of like exploring you know i'm gonna, i'm sort of like a psychonaut where i like to explore different things and and try different things for myself and kind of like you know make my own decision about things for having experienced it so there was that and what i got was like totally totally unexpected. It was, it was really something really major. So I had to go back. I went back and I actually worked at this place. I, I volunteered there. And yeah, and, and, and it, was, uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, I was there for about three months. Afterwards, I, I kind of went traveling around Peru. I went to Cusco, Machu Picchu, uh, went hiking in the mountains. It was, uh, it's nice. It's nice to get out of the country and go to different places, you know, and just experience different cultures, see things from a different different point of view, and then come back 
with like fresh eyes and looking at this place like <laughs> from from a different uh, different perspective. Yeah, just the traveling alone. Even if you're not planning on doing any kind of you know fun things like ayahuasca while you're traveling, just getting out of this country alone and seeing other perspectives really really changes your perspective on things. I mean, I, I spent about five or six weeks in Central America a few years ago, just traveling with a vague plan, with a backpack, with a friend, going wherever the wind takes us, and just meeting human beings, human beings that did not grow up in America, did not grow up with our media, did not grow up with our thought processes. It doesn't mean everybody's right about everything. I mean, it just means that you get these perspectives and they sort of become a part of you and you start to sort of mold your thoughts uh, based around what you're seeing from others and their influences, not just the influences that you grew up with. So it really is an amazing thing to to get outside your bubble. And it it can be a challenge because it can be scary to travel to a place where you don't fully know the language or you don't know, you know, you don't know the the customs, you don't know what the food they eat, you don't know anything oftentimes, uh, depending on how much research you do. But no matter how much research you do about a place before you visit, it just has nothing to do with the actual experience itself because that is when you just become immersed. And uh, as scary as it can be at first, you quickly realize that people are people and that it's just awesome to meet people and awesome to share different experiences with, which like, with like-minded people, which you often do meet while traveling. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. I mean, it's and it's great. I mean, where I was, you know, I was at an ayahuasca retreat center. And for for people listening who don't know what ayahuasca is, basically it's a it's a very potent psychedelic brew that indigenous people of the Amazon have been using for quite some time. And they brew it up. It's a mixture between two plants. It's a chacruna and ayahuasca vine. And the chacruna contains this stuff called DMT, dimethyltryptamine. And you drink it, it's horrific. And uh, you have, <laughs> it, ta- it tastes horrific. It's a very horrific taste. But it produces extra sensory effects, I-, I guess I would say, altered states of consciousness for about maybe three, four hours or so. And it's done in a ceremonial setting. And really, the value that I got from being there for this longer duration of time, being out of the country and you know traveling and, and seeing things with, with new eyes was, the community that I was involved with there, you know, it's amazing that the people, the people there are very self-sustainable. They're very, they're very self-reliant. You know, they're, they're individual type of people who, who really are living in a very sort of raw kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say primitive because it, that, that kind of like degrades, it degrades it a little bit, but right. more of a, a natural, a natural way in balance with like with the earth and with, you know, with each other, you know, there's not, there's, there isn't like, you know, cameras on, on, on every tree, you know, watching people and these sorts that of you things. Know of. Uh, so, <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's true. Uh, that, you know, you never know, right? I mean, there could be, who knows, but, um, cut to Peru and the, the bunch of shamans are just sitting around watching outtakes of, uh, Mike Brancatelli on ayahuasca from their, their secret tree cameras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's it, it's it's really nice to be to be involved with uh with people in like a real community sort of uh environment like that. All right. And uh so was this your first time doing the ayahuasca on this trip or was it prior to that? No, prior to that, yeah, I I I had done it drank about 7 times and then this time about 12 times. Wow. Wow. So the, were those 7 times all on that uh, the first trip to Peru? Or was it have you done it outside of there as well? Cuz I mean, it's No, I I wouldn't recommend doing it I mean, you can, but I, I wouldn't recommend doing it. I mean, you, there, you could go to like places in like, I don't know, like the Bay Area, San Francisco, Los Angeles, like Brooklyn, like people are having these little gatherings. I mean, it, you know, safety is always my number one concern. And, and, you know, I made sure that I went to a place that was like really reputable, you know, and I like to work with like the people who know about this, this brew. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's been passed down from generation to generation in, in this Shipibo tradition of these tribes of, of, you know, the, the, it's a very sacred medicine that they consider it to be. So it's like kind of going to the the best source that you can go to, rather than you know some guy named Bruce and Birkenstocks and you know and with like a twirly Come mustache. Come on in, bro. Yeah, hey, bro, got some ayahuasca for you, man. Yeah, it's very serious stuff. It's not really you know it's it's not recreational stuff you know it's it's very right serious. it really is truly for uh doing a a real uh spiritual self journey or a journey of self-discovery you might say and w- when you say safety a lot of people might be thinking oh is this a dangerous thing to take you, you just mean it's not really the, the herb itself that's dangerous but because you're are, are sort of in a hallucinogenic state it's best to have somebody experience sort of watching over you is that the idea yeah definitely yeah the place i went to is like 
very, very reputable. They have ton, like they've had tons of scientists and researchers there, and there you know there's a lot of authors and, and well-respected people kind of endorse them, and they have a really good rating with with safety and 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 that sort of thing. And yeah, because you, I mean, this is you know, you're, you're taking something that is, uh, affecting your mind. It's affecting your body. You know, you want to be in a very safe environment when that's going on, you know, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty serious. And what are some of the medical effects, the medical benefits of, of doing this sort of ayahuasca experience? I know people go down there for different reasons. Some people just want to try it. Some people have actual issues they are trying to work through. So how does this herb uh, actually help people work through certain issues? They might have certain mental issues. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the things that a lot of the the researchers are trying to are trying to look at right now. I know that the Imperial College of London, Dr. Robin Carhart Harris, is uh, is doing brain scan imaging tests on on people with people on psychedelics. I mean, they they released one of the images with LSD. I think they're working on DMT, and that's the active component in ayahuasca. So I'm not really sure exactly what the science is going to say, but I think from my opinion of, of working with ayahuasca or working with any sort of psychedelics is that it really it really kind of releases things that are already maybe present in your mind. Maybe it's in your unconscious or something and is able to give you some clarity of vision to see what's happening or what's going on in your life with your, you know, whatever you might be going through. And I think once you have that clarity, you know, I, I love this quote by Viktor Frankl in the book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says, like, once we have, we gain clarity over our problems, they no longer hold power over us. So I think that's, that's a lot of what these psychedelics tend to do is sort of like a key kind of like unlock things that are already inside of you and then just give you easier access to them. And then there's the the felt present, you know, your your felt direct experience of what's happening to you and how you interpret these things. You know, because there's a lot of people that like to talk about them as like, oh, it's mother ayahuasca, it's the spirit or whatever it is and you know, that that's just their interpretation of it, right? I mean, it could very well just be like it could just be, hey, you're on drugs and there's something going on in your brain right now that's altering, you know, there's, I mean, that's, that is what's happening. There's a chemical interaction with, with your brain. So there's this like whole thing like, well, is it real? Is it not real? Well, what, what is real? What, how, you know, and, and, and where do you distinguish that from? I think it's whatever, whatever does happen to you, it's not to get caught up on the whole, is it real or isn't it a real thing? It's just to see what happened. And how can you extract some sort of meaning out of that? You know, much like Carl Jung's like dream interpretation and, and that sort of stuff. It's like there it's uh, ayahuasca communicates very metaphorically to you. And so, you know, whether you're just searching for like, what is, why are we here? What is this universe all about? Or that sort of thing. Or you're just trying to like see what's going on to have a good time and see what kind of like images you could see or whatever, or whether you're trying to heal some sort of trauma that you've incurred. And, you know, I'd argue that everybody probably suffers a little bit of trauma living in the United States under this like nanny state that we have here. So yeah, I think that it just provides some clarity for you to see things in a, in a, in a, in a better way. I'd maybe see things from a different perspective, you know, much like traveling, like you just said, when you take a trip, I mean, when you're, when you're taking uh, these psychedelic drugs, they refer it to tripping, right? Because it produces this sort of novel effect when you enter into these new realms or these other states of consciousness, this altered state of consciousness that you've, you've entered into, you're essentially going somewhere. So you're actually able to see things from a different way. And that will then help, hopefully help you interpret that in in a productive way where you can actually start making some decisions in your life a little bit better. <laughs> and and for me, you know, it's always about I think the main thing, like the the kind of big overarching theme is like what can I do to decrease the amount of suffering in my life and in the lives of others? And you know, if there's any way that I can help gain clarity over that by experiencing something through a psychedelic state, then uh, you know I'm going to move towards that. If that if that's if that's what I need to do, right? And I'm sure there are a lot of uh, naysayers about ayahuasca or other people that just take uh, psychedelics of any kind to deal with certain issues. But I mean, when you when you ask about the question, is it real? I know they say that humans can only really we can only sense so much that's around us. We can only see certain spectrums of light. We can only hear certain sounds. I know the the Laurel Yanny thing kind of proved that we all can sort of hear things a little bit differently. So right. like, how are we really interpreting the world anyway? Like, how much of of what we already see is even 
real or, you know, that's, that's a question that can go pretty deep in the rabbit hole. But at the end of the day, if you are experiencing something, whether it is from taking uh, a substance or what have you, and it's helping you and affecting your life in a positive way, well, guess what? That's real. <laughs> that, that's as real as anything can possibly be. And a lot of, I feel like a lot of the same naysayers about people using uh, something like psilocybin mushrooms or ayahuasca to, to, you know, help them with, with whatever issues they might have. A lot of those naysayers are going home and smoking a cigarette or uh, drinking a, uh, drinking some whiskey and I'm certainly not criticizing any of those things, although cigarettes are gross. But, uh, you know, it, the point is we all have some, or even if it's just a cup of coffee. I mean, everybody has some sort of substance that they take or use that helps them deal with things in some way or another. And some of those substances are uh, more or less healthy than others. I think medically speaking, it's hard to argue that things like ayahuasca, mushrooms, uh, LSD even, are a lot less harmful to the body than a lot of those other things like other drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, like you said, like we, yeah, I mean, we use substances for, I mean, we, we don't call them substances, because, you know, who's like, hey, I'd love some, a nice cup of that substance <laughs> you're brewing over there. You know, it's like, yeah, you want to go just, get some know, Starbucks it's, it's, substance? Call, <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you, hey, man, do you want to go? I got an idea. I got a crazy idea. You want to go do some Starbucks later? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like when it's nobody, bad, nobody you do it. When it it's way. good, you just take it. You just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason right yeah exactly but like we produce this stuff already like dimethyltryptamine is produced in our pineal glands of our brains like when we go to sleep at night we're fully tripping you know it's it's weird i'm reading this book right now called why we sleep and i forgot the author but uh yeah it's like it's just crazy nobody like if you were to just tell people like when you when you were born i think he makes this point in the beginning of the book he says like yeah you're you're born and then you know as you grow up you're just be like okay honey like you're just going to pass out unconscious for like 8 hours and yeah i don't know we don't know why you're just going <laughs> to lay there unconscious and your body's just not going to move and oh by the way they're going to release you're going to release this stuff in your brain called dimethyltryptamine which is one of the strongest psychedelics on the planet that you produce in your brain and you're going to have weird crazy dreams where you're going to be, you know, going onto different planets or you're going to be in, in your school naked and then you're going to wake up and then you're going to be conscious again. You're going to be like, whoa, what was that? And that's going to happen for like 30% of your life. So, and no one knows why. <laughs> no one, absolutely nobody knows why we do that. Anyway, welcome um, to the world. We do it. Enjoy so that. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the world. Yeah. Enjoy that. And exactly. So it's, it's, you know, and, and yeah, that's the thing really. I mean, for me, Mark, it's like, I mean, you know, you're you're like a hippie, and you're in hippie land over there in, in California. <laughs> you could say that, <laughs> you know. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, I almost called you. A I wouldn't take I offense. I consider that. myself somewhat but, of a hippie, hence the hair. Yeah, it's yeah, my no, it's I my know. hippie I, signaling I, I, to I the rag- world. I was ragging on you for that, and yeah, it's like it's like, hey, exactly. I'm one of you guys, man. <laughs> Chill. I'm, I'm a, I got a surfboard. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, look, hippies hippies wouldn't be so bad if they weren't so dumb, you know, most of the time. I think that's like, yeah, you know, I, I tweeted out uh, something like before. I was like, by, by the way, I'm in the jungle trying to convert hippies to libertarianism because I'm just like, it's just, it, it go to me, it just goes so hand in hand. Like, I can't understand people who take psychedelics and advocate for more government. You know, I can't understand like the leftist philosophy and like people who are, are into psychedelics doesn't make any sense to me, but it's interesting. It's like, you know, I remember reading this story about a guy who was a Klansman and this, and this black guy likes, you know, he went around and he started talking to all these Klansmen. I forget the name of the guy, but he, he went and he, in, he talked to them individually and con- convinced them all to like, you know, disrobe or, de- or <laughs> you know, disband from their, from their, yeah, declan, right. And, you know, you find that the case with what I do with my show, Mike Adelic, and, you know, just being in the jungle and talking to people, you know, you slip these ideas of liberty in there and, and you kind of circle it all back. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that does make sense. Yeah, okay, I, I see what you're saying now. And, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, anyway, that, that's, my, that's like my Trojan horse is just to, like, you know, sneak in there and, and convert all these people. My name is Dale Kearns and I'm running for United States Senate in Pennsylvania as a libertarian. I'm a concerned citizen who has had enough. I work as a project manager for an electrical contractor in southeastern Pennsylvania. There I manage large commercial and industrial projects. I'm a husband and a father of two energetic little girls. I'm running to advocate for a society where my girls have more liberty, not less. Will you support our campaign? 
Unlike my competitors, I'm not a career politician. I don't have millionaire and billionaire donors. I'm running for Senate in Pennsylvania because I want to take the message to Washington that we want government out of our lives. Will you let me be your voice? Let me be the voice that says we will not walk quietly down the road to serfdom. The voice that says we need free market solutions. The voice that says we need to end the failed war on drugs. The voice who will fight for the forgotten man, non-violent offenders wasting away in prison, and addicts who are afraid to speak up and seek the help they need. We are seeking members for our campaign team. I encourage you to apply. We need donations to help us spread the message of liberty across the state. We can go on hoping for liberty to happen, or we can fight together. I hope you choose the latter and join me today. Find out more at DaleKearns.com. Paid for by Dale Kearns for Office. So what, what kind of people were you meeting out there? I imagine it's, it's a mix of mostly travelers either from the U.S. or other places abroad, Europe and that kind of thing. And then uh, obviously there's the locals there as well. So were you able to sort of get into some good dialogue with, with some of these people? The people that obviously uh, a lot of them come from countries that are even more status than the United States. So what, what sort of dialogues were you able to have on that front? Yeah, no, I mean, the best, the best dialogues, because, you know, you're in the jungle, we're like three hours into the Amazon jungle, you know, by, what, an hour by we the We have no choice but to talk to each other you're at out this there. point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's no Twitter, there's no, like, anonymity of, uh, you know, of the internet and to just, you know, be like a keyboard warrior or a troll or any of that kind of stuff. It's just like, you're face to face with people. And you're face to face with people who are going through deep, profound psychedelic experiences in ancient shamanic ceremonies at night who are cracking their skulls, their hearts and their minds open on a, on a daily basis. You know, so you're really, you know, these people are really open and I've gotten some of the best conversations in my life there, you know, and, and really it's, yeah, it's really interesting talking to people from all around the world. You know, I talked to a guy who, who was uh, in Afghanistan for, yeah, you know, like eight years and or not eight years, eight months, and that would be a t- way too long. Of a way time. too long, yeah. Eight, yeah, eight days yeah. sounds and, too long, uh, really. You know, just eight days is is too long too. Yeah, but yeah, just just really great conversations, and you know, just hearing things from from people's perspectives. And I think one of the things that I learned, I learned this a lot because I think in my earlier sort of libertarian days, I had I had very militant ways about me where I would really be quick to just like jump on somebody and smash them and sure. smack them down and 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 just get my point at across. At first you can't believe I really that anybody like, doesn't see things your way or has not had whatever revelation right. I didn't watch that Ron Paul video last night and you almost get like angry about it that they aren't and you're like here here's all the information take it but that doesn't really work. Exactly. Exactly. Or it's just it's allowing allowing people to talk. Because they're obviously they're communicating from a place in which they believe is a truth, some form of a truth that they've been maybe indoctrinated to believe, you know? So it's just, it's just sort of like, I I really learned this like patient way of allowing people to talk, allowing their truth to unfold. And then sort of, you know, just asking questions, having more of a conversation around that, but trying to get these ideas. And, and I, I guess, I mean, it sounds a little pretentious, but you know, trying to like decondition them and trying to wake them up to sort of like what I've come across, you know, what I've come across and be like, Hey, yeah, you should, you should check out this guy, Murray Rothbard or yeah. Have you heard of the Tom Woods show or Hey, Lions of Liberty is a good show. You should, you guys should I check think that anyone, out. anyone you know, tripping in the like jungle that. should listen to Lions of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you should. So yeah, I mean, but it's, it's, it is great just to, to meet with people from all around the world. And you know, what the one thing is that we get this like fear based message from, from here, like all the time about how crazy the world is and all this stuff and America's the best and blah, blah, blah. It's like you meet people from all, all over the place and you know, you actually meet the people. Not like the the message that you're getting from the you know the crap mainstream media, whatever they're trying to tell you. And it's like, oh yeah, we're all everybody basically wants the same thing. Everybody basically wants liberty, and nobody wants tyranny. So there, you know, <laughs> it's like just you just have to figure that out in conversation with people and help uh, help these people who've been brainwashed and don't know any better. And I got to imagine it's just, it's just a totally a different approach to a conversation when you're first connecting with someone as a human. You're not a, you're not 
blazing in there like, hey, let's talk politics. And just like we are so much on Facebook, on Twitter, where we just dive into these conversations. And before you know it, you're arguing with all these people who aren't even people. They are. But to me, they're just they're information on a screen that I'm getting angry at. And it's just really not a healthy way to communicate. Whereas when you're in the jungle with someone and you've built a relationship with them and you've maybe you know taken some ayahuasca with them, you've already made a human connection with them. And once you make a human connection with someone, it's so much easier to have a conversation because they're not seeing you as this enemy who's just throwing darts of blazing liberty at them. You're like a real human being who is connecting with them in whatever way. And then that that, is a, that lets everybody kind of let their guard down and, and talk about their true beliefs openly, uh, whether those true beliefs are some weird uh, Rothbardian and Capri stuff or whatever. That won't sound as crazy once they've seen you as a real person, as someone who has, like you said, in many ways, the same ideals. You want to be free. You want to uh, have this sort of cognitive liberty experience. And uh, so in, in many ways, you've, you've already figured out that you're very similar before you even get into that dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I just finished reading this book, Tribe, by Sebastian Younger. It's a really good book. I recommend it. And, you know, he, he talks about how we really need, like, community. And I've, I've been on this, I've been on this, like, sort of kick of, like, learning about sort of from, like, an anthropological... It's a hell of a word. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it is. It is a hell of a word. Anthropological... <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping this all in I can't just because it's hilarious this word. to me. I cannot pronounce this word. There we go. Anthropo- an- anthropological. There we go. So I told you I was delirious <laughs> 24-7. Yeah, anthropological perspective. But he mentions in the book about how, like, we really have this like need for community. And that's why like, you know, soldiers during wartime, like they, they've developed these bonds and, and they're fighting for each other. They're not necessarily fighting for the country or whatever, you know? And, and he talks about why it's difficult to come back into the West is because we don't really have this sense of like community here. It's another great book called the quest for community. So I'm like, I'm really kind of getting, you know, filling up on all this sort of like community type of talk because I believe it, it relates to like libertarian beliefs and ideals. I mean, I, I, I think if anything, I'm, I'm like a secessionist, you know, I, I think that really people, we should, we should secede and people should be living in smaller, more like-minded communities of, of people who are, you know, helping each other. And so uh, Sebastian Younger says in this book that when, com- when every time you see community decrease, you know, when, when community is destroyed, authority rises. You know, when you have people who are already living in community, they depend on each other. They depend, they not only depend on each other, but they know that like they got to get their shit done and they have to be responsible for themselves and they can't be dependent upon like some handouts from some centralized authority that's going to be babying them and taking care of them. It's like, dude, you got to, you know, you got a hole in your roof. Like you got to repair that shit. You know, otherwise you're going to have like 10 feet of Amazon floodwater coming through and your kids are going to die. So it was really beautiful just to be in that in that community. And um, yeah, I found it really interesting in this book that I just read where he was talking about uh, the rise of authority when there's a, a lack of community. I think that's a that's a pretty important thing and uh, something definitely that uh, I think libertarians should 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 definitely care. Yeah, about. absolutely. And you know, many critics of libertarianism like to sort of characterize libertarians as these rugged individuals who just want to go off and and live in the woods and live by themselves. And uh, that's probably true for a few libertarians I've met. But really, what we're t- when we're talking about decentralizing the federal government or, or making everything uh, sort of on, on the smaller level, what we really are talking about in many ways is restoring things to the community level. Uh, let communities decide their own fates. Let communities come together and build roads. <laughs> let communities come together and craft schools together. I mean, I think that's something we have a, a hard time conveying often. It's not that we are against communities or cities even while voluntarily coming together to uh, form a lot of these things that we take for granted that in many ways the federal government has their hands on us especially when it comes to, say, education, just because we want to take the power away from the central authority doesn't mean everybody should just necessarily needs to sit at home and be, say, a homeschooler. What we really want to say is we want to give you the power to come together with your communities and, and sort of build that that sense of community. Because I mean, I think one of the, the big problems we've had with policing is, you know, you know, with all the issues. What was it? Um 
Mike Brown when he was killed. And I, I think a, a lot of the problems in, in those communities, like in St. Louis, is that the police officers that are policing those communities, they're not members of the communities. They're, they're people that live three or four counties away. They all come on in there and they all police these poor communities. So there's no sense of, just from the beginning there, there's a sense of almost outside invadership. There's a sense that we're not policing each other. Someone else is coming in and trying to lord over us. So I think just getting everything from education to policing, security, what have you, back down to that community level, that's not only a libertarian direction to go in, but it's just a a more a, a direction that's much more in, in terms in tune with, I believe, how we are designed as humans and how we best function as humans when we work together with the people in our communities, not when some central authority up above dictates how everybody kind of functions throughout the land. Yeah, no, exactly. Man, I couldn't imagine. I mean, like the where I was in the jungle in Peru. I mean, I couldn't imagine if there was like some outside invading police force like roaming around. These people wouldn't have that. They would kill them. You know, like they would they would, you know, they're not like that's another kind of like misconception that people think is like when they go down there, it's just like, oh, these people like they live in harmony with the earth and like. You know, oh, if the mosquito lands on your shoulder, just shoo it away, Mister <laughs> Mosquito. It's like, no, they're gonna fucking, they're gonna fucking kill that mosquito. Like they, they kill shit. Like they're not like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's like maintaining a level, a certain level of competence and freedom and integrity, and like just have some, have some respect for like yourself and for other people to like get the job done. Like you said in the beginning of this show, it's like. Everybody now is like virtually supporting and helping each other build things that we want to see. You know, we don't need like mandates and dictates and stuff. And uh, yeah, I remembered the the author it was Robert Nisbet, The Quest for Community. That's what he he makes the case in his book where he's like, look, like we have we have this sort of like new religion of government that's taking away from from the communities. So people are just saying, well, fuck it, like the government, you know, screw it, like the government's going to take care of it. You know, I don't have to do anything because like you know they're going to take care of it. And then that 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 decrease increases the amount of community fellowship that you would have, you know, with your, with your common, with your common man common decency with your neighbors. You know? That's one more thing I wanted to ask you about is what, what was your transition like? I think you've only been back in the States for a couple of weeks now. After spending all that time in the jungle, sort of disconnected from Facebook, from Twitter, not being on social media all the time, having uh, what you might call much more inter- natural interactions with human beings. How was it coming back, especially of all places, coming back to New York City from the jungle? It's got to be a hell of a transition. Yeah, I got to tell you, Mark, I feel like like shattered a little bit, you know, it's, it's really, it's crazy, man. Like when I first came back, like I could just feel this like certain level of like anxiety and tension, like in the, in the atmosphere of just like, you know, when I was, I was in like Miami airport and it's just like CNN on like every single television and like, yeah, it's just weird, man. You know, people just behave in a different way. So I, I actually deleted, I deleted all well, I guess I'll tell you a little funny story. I found myself getting sucked into like a couple of Facebook arguments and some Twitter arguments. And like the first Facebook argument was about peaceful parenting. It was like, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people like, I'm like, wow, I can't believe there's actually people that are advocating that you should hit your children. Yeah. Just, just, just hit them. That seems like the intelligent thing to do to a newborn being. So I was just, I was just making these arguments for peaceful parenting and I was getting so worked up, man. I was getting so charged. I was just like, I was so heated. And then I got into, I got into it with, uh, when I said that reality is malleable, <laughs> I got in, I, I invited the people from the Yaron Brook uh, Institute or, uh, not, not the people from there, but, uh, I, it was part of his tweet. So these like, you know, Ayn Rand objection, objectionist, uh, God, I can't, I can't speak today. Objectivist people who, in my opinion, are some of the have like no joy or humor and at all in their lives. I don't know what it is, but I got into this thing with them and I was sort of like playing around. Like I was just like, yeah, if you if you think about wanting a donut, then a donut <laughs> might appear. You know, I was just kind of like I was just I was messing with them a little bit. And I think they were taking it seriously. And then I just I looked at the time. It was like 1030 when I started this and then it was 1230. And I'm like, my God. And I was like standing in my bathroom just like on my phone. I'm like, what am I doing? This is insane. I couldn't believe how sucked in I got by social media on my phone. So I did something that's quite dangerous in these times. And I deleted all the apps off my phone because I figured, you know, I'm still, I'm still a member of Facebook, Twitter and stuff. And so what I do now is I check it 
at like a certain time of the day. I, I, I relegate you myself to, you have to, to physically make that decision. Like I'm hour. going to go sit at a computer and open this thing and go through it as opposed to it's just telling me it's just knocking on my side all day and, and lighting me up with alerts. Yeah, because I, I can't handle it. Like, I will, I want to argue <laughs> with people online. Like, I, I do. And I want to troll and I want to, and I, I want to do that. But I become this, right. like, demon, you know? I think, like, Louis C.K. had this joke about that, you know? And it's, it's really just not a part of, like, what I want. I didn't feel healthy doing that. So, since getting rid of that, I felt a lot better. And I'd like to work on some kind of like larger things, you know, obviously the podcast, but I'd like to do some more projects and and stop being so lazy, but, uh, you know, potentially maybe writing some more. So I feel like, uh, you know, there's this great talk, I think by this guy, Cal Newport, he wrote a book called Deep Work. I haven't read it yet, but I saw his talk and he he makes the case for we don't need social media and he doesn't have social media. I don't know if I totally agree with him, but I think that social media is definitely is definitely something that really gets me going. I I I am I'm very addicted to it and I can't I just I I know that I'm going to do bad <laughs> things with it, so I got No, it really it it's literally addictive. I mean, they've they sort of designed Facebook and all these other apps to literally you get a dopamine hit when you get a Facebook like. like when you see an, a notification, your brain something happens in your brain and you like have to go see it because this is how these apps are designed to keep us addictive and uh, I am probably the worst offender out there of it. I mean, I'm I guess I can say I'm aware of it, but what does it matter? matter if i'm if you're aware you're an alcoholic but you still drink three bottles of whiskey then i don't know how much it helps so i guess knowledge is the first step <laughs> well yeah at least you're like i'm an alcoholic but don't I'm worry aware. i'm aware I'm so then you keep going well as long as he knows yeah, i guess he's um, fine th- this guy trist <laughs> as long as he knows he's fine yeah this guy tr- uh, tristan harris is his name tristan harris he him and then there's a bunch of other dudes who like who had left google left facebook left instagram you know, they used to work and they, their, their jobs were like specifically to make these things function in the way that like right, a casino exactly. slot machine functions. And they're all now advocating these ways that we can sort of unplug a little bit or just make things a little bit better for mental health purposes. And I, I desperately think that we need that. I mean, like coming back into the States after living in the jungle for three months, like I'm not a doctor, but my diagnosis is that many people are completely <laughs> insane in this country. And I think you, yeah, I think that's a, as two non-doctors, I think we can safely say that. Yeah. We're all, we're all losing our minds. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh Mike, it's been a blast. Yeah. Uh, I think you might stick around with me for a little bit. Uh, we'll maybe get a little extra bonus tale from uh, your ayahuasca times uh, for the bonus section for the Pride, which, of course, people who support us oh, on boy. Patreon uh, will be able to hear. Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. But I'm not the only one on Patreon. Uh, you are on Patreon as well. So why don't you just give everybody a little roundup about uh, what you're doing over on Patreon and uh, just where where they can find your show and how they can support you. Yeah, thanks. You can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, M-I-K-E-B-R-A-N-C. And yeah, right now we, we, it's awesome. I, I surpassed my first goal. We're at $222 a month. I, I keep saying we when I talk about my <laughs> Me podcast. and the voices in my me. head all together. <laughs> you can, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I am up to my show is up to two hundred twenty two a month, which is great now, and uh, it's it's just amazing. So yeah, it's Mike Adelic is the show. Uh, my website is Mike Brank. Uh, I'm on social media, and I I'm checking it very infrequently now, but you can follow me at Mike Brank pretty much everywhere. Uh, yeah, podcast is Mike Adelic, and thank you. Uh, very All right, much. Mike. Well, it's uh, it's been a blast as always, and keep up the great work, man. Keep on roaring. <laughs> I am. I will never stop. Well, Mike Brank is never going to stop roaring for liberty, and we are never going to stop roaring for liberty either. And we hope to inspire you, all of you, to keep roaring for liberty as well. That is why we do this show. That is why we show up three days a week, every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, to bring you the only libertarian variety show out there. Hope you did enjoy my conversation with Mike Brancatelli, a little bit off the beaten path of the normal philosophical conversation or political conversation about liberty. But of course, I do believe all of this stuff ultimately ties in together, whether it's finding your own personal spiritual liberty or just the fact of medical freedom, the freedom to be 
able to put whatever you want into your body for whatever the reason, whether it's medical, spiritual, or what have you. We have to focus on all these issues when it relates to substance, not as a criminal issue, but as a personal health issue. And many substances out there are harmful. You're probably not going to hear me do an episode with somebody who is coming on saying it would be a great idea to go use a bunch of meth or use a bunch of heroin. Uh, But at the end of the day, there are many substances out there, whether it's cannabis, whether it's ayahuasca, uh, whether it's psilocybin mushrooms that have been shown to help people, not just physically, but also with their mental health. And uh, with things like suicide rates higher than ever, with things like school shootings going on, certainly mental health is a very serious issue. And as a society, as individuals, we certainly should be looking at all methods that might help people with mental health issues, including many, many substances out there that are known to have those benefits. So ayahuasca is certainly, for many people out there, one of those substances. So I was very uh, thrilled to hear Mike Brancatelli's experience uh, with this uh, with this little journey of his. And uh, it's certainly, uh, you're going to hear more about that experience if you are on Patreon, if you are a member of the Lions of Liberty Pride, because Mike stuck around for a little bit of a an interesting tale about one of his ayahuasca journeys that I think you guys are going to be very, very fascinated by. So please do head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Toss us a few buckaroos and you can hear that one. And of course, we would also love to hear from you as well. We'd love to have you join the conversation. You can do so by joining our Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type that in your little search bar on Facebook. Should pop right up. You answer a very simple question about how you first found this program, and we'll get you right in there. You can also follow us on Twitter. Tweet to us. We love to tweet. We love to retweet. love to tweet to our fans. And, uh, of course, you can always drop me an email as well. It's Mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. We certainly welcome all of your valuable input, and we encourage you to hit that subscribe button, whether you listen on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher Radio app, uh, and any other assortment of apps out there. I use Overcast myself. Be sure to hit that subscribe button because you do not want to miss a single one of our three very unique and very different shows each and every week here on Lions of Liberty. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to hit you hard with a shot of comedy, culture, and liberty again this Wednesday with Brian McWilliams and Electric Liberty Land, while John Odermatt will, as always, wrap things up on Friday with his incredible look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. Until next time, folks. Live long and live free. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. 